Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, the host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. You've joined us for Revelation, God Rules, Episode 8, The Seventh Trumpet and Third Woe, the episode for Sunday, March 5th, 2023. We're glad you're with us today. And listen, I've been trying to teach you as we go along how to approach Scripture and interpret it correctly. So I've got a couple of quotes here which will add to that little library I've been building for you to help you become a student of the Word and interpret it accurately. This is one from John MacArthur. All attempts to equate this glorious reign of Christ over the whole earth with any past event or with the church is utterly foreign and contradictory to the clear eschatological teaching of Scripture, including especially this passage. There is no way this text can be fulfilled except by the universal reign of Jesus Christ over the whole earth, as the prophets had for so long predicted. John MacArthur from his Exposition of Revelation. And then the great pastor Joseph Seiss, a Lutheran pastor in the 1800s, said this in his book, The Apocalypse Lectures on Revelation. The apocalypse in general is to be taken literally, except where indication to the contrary is given. It would be quite superfluous to tell us that this thing is a sign and that certain things mean certain other things, except upon the assumption that whatever is not so labeled is to be taken just as it reads. But whatever else is literal in this book, the case of this woman is not. And he's talking here about Revelation 12, the woman who appears in heaven. And we'll, we'll look at that in the next episode. But again, you see the basic idea that's explained here. So we'll go into that a little more in next week's episode. But today, episode eight, we're at the seventh trumpet and the third woe. And that is going to be from Revelation chapter 11, the last half of that that we didn't finish in the last episode. All right, so here we go with today's episode. Revelation 11 opens the way for momentous events in the book of the Revelation. For example, as I just mentioned, in Revelation 12, we have the woman in heaven. And I'm going to kind of challenge you. Who, who is that? What is that all about? I encourage you to read ahead and see if you can interpret that correctly, comparing Scripture with Scripture. And then the great red dragon that we see as we go further in Revelation. Oh, who is that? You can probably guess that. <laughs> what about this beast that arises out of the sea? Is that like, is that a government, or is that a, a dictator, or is it an animal? What is that? Well, we're going to see that. Did you know there's a beast that comes up out of the land? 
We often call him the false prophet. We'll learn more about him uh, and what he will do in the future. And then, of course, everyone knows in the book of Revelation, the mark of the beast. We're going to look at that in Revelation 13 and why God warns against ever taking it. And then we will also see, I think I'm right in saying, in Revelation uh, 17 and 18, I, I think it's correct, the destruction of religious Babylon and economic or financial Babylon, like the, the uh, economic system that is opposed to God. We'll see that destroyed. And of course, we've also all heard about Armageddon. Well, where, what is that? Well, it's a place, actually. We literally know exactly where that is. In fact, Napoleon Bonaparte, when he went to the area and he surveyed Armageddon, he said, this is the most perfect battlefield in the world. And of course, there will be a great battle fought there at the end of the book of Revelation, near the end. And then um, we see, obviously, the return of Christ. We see that in Revelation 19. And then the great white throne judgment. What is that all about? Well, I'll tell you what, people who appear there are not going to heaven. They are already doomed to hell. And we'll, we'll find out about that. And that's in uh, Revelation 20, I believe it is. And then the, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven, the millennial kingdom, the new heavens and the new earth. And here's something I want you to listen in really hard right here. Really pay attention to what I'm about to say. We're going to see your eternity either in heaven or in hell. I mean, your name is not literally written in the book of the Revelation, but you will be able to see, you know, what your status is based on the book of the Revelation. And we're going to look at that. Now, before the rest of all of this in the book of the Revelation unfolds before our eyes and ears, before the rest of tri the tribulation unfolds, we need to know the final outcome and you need to know that so you can be on the winning side. You want to know who's going to win and make sure you're properly positioned. Some people think that Lucifer is, is really the good one, that he's been so misunderstood and so misrepresented and all that kind of stuff. And, and a lot of people worship him because he promises so much. But actually, he's going to be the biggest loser in the history of the universe, and anybody who's on his side, and by the way, everybody, you know, when you and I are born, we're born on his side already because we are a fallen race. We have to be redeemed so we get off of his side onto the side of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you'll, you'll have a really good idea. You'll have an exact, complete perfect idea of who is going to win this thing. And I'll give you a hint. It's not Lucifer. It's not Satan. It's not the devil. It's Jesus Christ. But this is nailed down right here. You cannot mistake that we're about to learn that for a fact right here where the future is pre-written. That's called Bible prophecy. 
All right, so let's go to the book of the Revelation, chapter 11, verses 14 to 19. We're only going to do a few verses today. So we read in Revelation 11, starting in verse 14, the second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. Now, a woe is a, a terrible judgment from God that falls upon the world in, in this case. So the third woe is on its way. The second has already occurred. All right, verse 15. Remember we saw seven angels with trumpets? We've seen six of them sound their trumpet, and we've seen all of the awful things that flow from those trumpet soundings. Well, here's, here's the seventh trumpet. Verse 15 in Revelation 11. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Does that sound familiar to you, the hallelujah chorus? That's where that comes from, right there. And verse 16, And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats. And by the way, they're, they're on thrones. We know this from the book of the Revelation. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. Wow, what an image. Now, I want to go back and let's go through this and let's see some things that we are shown here. So we know the second woe has already occurred. The third woe cometh quickly. And by the way, the seventh trumpet, you know, opens up that third woe, but it also opens up the way for what are called the seven bowl judgments that unfold as we go through the rest of the book of the Revelation. So, in verse 15, when that seventh angel sounds, we see that there were great voices in heaven. And, and what are those voices saying? The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. You know what that's saying? Even though in the, in the flow of the book of the Revelation, most of which is still future, to you and I, it's going to happen in the future. The flow of the book of, of the Revelation 
within that, like like when does Christ come and when does he sit on the throne in Jerusalem ruling not only the world, but the universe, obviously. When does that happen? Well, it's still future to this time in the book of the Revelation as we're going through it. And obviously it's still future to us in terms of, of future history of time. Now I want you to notice something. What did those voices say? The kingdoms of this world are become, are become, are become. They are. It's a done deal. It it is certain Jesus Christ will rule this world and the universe. There's no doubt, no question about it. That's what's said right here in the book of the Revelation. See, A lot of people think the book of Revelation is showing the Lord coming back, like trying, you know, hopefully to become the ruler over the world and the universe. That's not the picture at all. It's already the, listen, Lucifer, Satan, the devil, his fate is sealed. He is utterly and hopelessly doomed and defeated. Now, we don't see that yet because he's very active in this world, and and Lucifer will be very active during the tribulation, and we'll, we'll see all of that as we go uh, in the future. But, you, but verse 15 tells us point blank, it's a done deal, Jesus wins, period. He wins. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign how long? Forever and ever. Satan doesn't stand a chance. Verse 16. And the four and twenty elders. Now let's let's do let's do some thinking back here. If you've been with us for a while in this study, maybe you've heard every episode or you join late, but you've gone back and listened. You need to listen to every episode up to this point. There's only seven before it. One a day and within a week, you can be right on track. I mean, you could actually listen to all seven in one day and be on track. So we've already seen the four and 20 elders. Now, some people think, well, they're they're special kinds of angels. They're this, they're that. Well, I want you to think about something. They are seated on thrones. We don't see angels on thrones. I mean, that's what's so wrong about Lucifer, trying to be God. He wants to sit on the throne. But listen, angels angels don't sit on the throne. God sits on the throne. And God allows us in Christ to sit with him. Right now, spiritually speaking, we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus if we are Christians. Say, well, I don't always feel that way. Well, we don't walk by by sight. We walk by faith. We don't go by feelings. We go by fact, which this is a fact. But we don't always feel that way. And it doesn't always seem that way because we're on a battlefield, right? You follow what I'm saying here? But anyway, the church reigns with Christ. That is explicitly blatant in the New Testament. There's there's no doubt about that. So these four and 20 elders are on thrones, and then we also have seen earlier in the book of Revelation 
They are wearing crowns. Angels don't wear crowns. God wears a crown, right? And and we are given crowns for our, our reward and our service. I mean, and it doesn't imply in any way that we're God. It just, God gives those to us. But these four and 20 elders, really sharp students of the word of God believe this is the church because the church is given crowns. The church is sitting on the throne with Christ. And here we see the church fall on their faces and worship God. Now, by the way, (laughs) you're probably doing some calculating here and you're thinking, well, wow, if they're able to do that at this point in the book of the Revelation, then the rapture's already happened. Yep, because we don't see a rapture at the second coming. We see the church returning with the Lord Jesus Christ to the earth. So yeah, there's there's your rapture's already happened by this point. And we believe that happens at the end of the church age in the Laodicean church age, and that it's the Philadelphian church that is raptured. And you have to go back to the previous episodes, uh, way to the start, and you'll hear that explained. All right, now, what what are what is the church saying when it worships the Lord Jesus Christ here? Verse 17, saying, we give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come. In other words, he, God has no beginning. He always is and has been and always will be. There will be no end to God. Saying, we give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee by thy great power. The word power here in Greek is where we get our word dynamo and a derivative of that, of that dynamite. It is an, a, a, an energy-producing power, like an explosive power and strength. And, and notice, notice that last three words, and hast reigned. The picture in Greek is it's already, he's already reigning. He's already won. But he hasn't come back yet, right? We're going to see that in Revelation 19. But he's already, he's already reigning. He's already won. He wins. That's what this is driving home. So if you're worried about whether or not the Lord Jesus Christ is going to pull this thing off, there are no worries. It's a done deal. That's why I entitled this series, Revelation, God Rules. Too often people think that the the winner or something in Revelation is the Antichrist. No, it's not. It's Jesus Christ because he's going to take the Antichrist out. And and we know how that's going to happen. We're going to see that in the book of the Revelation. Then look at verse 18. And... I'm going to read this, but I'm also going to read a psalm, I think, which mirrors the same thing. And the nations were angry. Did you know that the, the nations of the world, which are largely lost, Jesus rejecting masses of people and their governments especially, 
They hate Jesus Christ. I don't care what kind of smooth sounding words come out of their mouths sometimes in religious talk and spirituality, whatever. The truth is, the nations of the world, especially their political leaders and their governments, are angry. They hate Jesus Christ. And you know why? Because both can't rule. If you come to Christ, Jesus rules. Amen? And that's a good thing. I need that. How about you? But see, the nations of the world, and especially the political types, they don't have any intention of not ruling. And the idea that Jesus is going to rule, where you could forget that, they hate that idea. And that's why they hate anyone who reminds them of that idea. That would be Christians and the true church and the word of God. Is a picture coming together for you now? And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come. So in Greek, you see this in Greek, so this is really neat. And the nations were angry. The, the idea of just, um, just insane, explosive anger. That's the idea. Uh, and they're insane, of course. But then God comes right back with his wrath, which is explosive anger right back at them. And it's totally sane because they deserve it. And the nations were angry and thy wrath is come. Like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, the world tries to push Jesus in the chest. And here at the end, Jesus pushes them right back harder. Say, but that doesn't match my picture of the meek and mild and lowly Jesus. When Jesus Christ came, he came as a suffering servant. The first time when he comes back, he's coming back as the ruling Messiah who's not asking anybody's opinion and not taking orders. He's giving orders. Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah, that's where this world's going. So now do you see why the governments of the world hate God? They hate the idea of surrendering to God because they and their stupid little ideas won't be in control anymore. He's going to be in control, whether they want him to or not, whether they like it or not. It doesn't matter. He's coming back. Jesus rules. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come. And the time, I mean, it, look, I hate to tell you, but part of this gets worse. And the time of the dead, that they should be judged. That doesn't sound good. Hey, I have a little inside tip for you. The way you get on the right side of that judgment is with Jesus Christ. He died for your sins. He already took the punishment for your sins. And when you surrender your life to him and he becomes your life, you're born again, you're forgiven, and you will never face that, that judgment talked about here, that they should be judged and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and, sh and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. I'm excited to know that on the worst day I'll ever have down here, that's as bad as it can get.
It can't, it can't get worse than that. And when I leave this life, I leave all of that behind, baby. I'm excited about that. And you should be too, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you're not on the winning team, the idea of leaving this life frightens you. It terrifies you because you know judgment awaits. But in Christ, by trusting him as your Savior and Lord, you can get on the winning side and you don't have to face judgment for your sins. Jesus paid the price. That's the, that's the good news. And he rose again from the, from the dead on the third day. And that proves that his payment was accepted or he never could have risen, right? Amen. So we see here there's a reward for, the thing I love about this, he mentions prophets, he mentions saints, that is those who are set apart to him. I, I think, I believe that means Christians and uh, Old Testament believers, obviously, before Christ came, because they were looking forward to the coming Messiah, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. There's reward for everybody, large and small. Well, I've never been much of a Billy Graham or anything. It doesn't matter. God, God rewards each person according to what they have done with what he's given them. You say, well, I didn't do much. You let God be the determiner of that. Don't try to decide whether you're getting a great reward or not. You, you're a terrible judge of that. Leave that in God's hands, and he doesn't miss anything that's done in his name. Now, you just cling to that. He will reward you and your service if you have lived for him. Now, there's a phrase at the end of this. I just have to zero in on this. And shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. Now, what is that talking about? Well, it may be talking about things like terraforming, where people who think they understand how the world should be are working feverishly to transform, literally transform the earth as we know it into something else because they know more than God, they think. Weather modification programs. I don't know about you, and I know that governments of the world try to modify weather as a weapon of war and even probably to control populations and outcomes of situations and all of that. I feel like we're living in the middle of weather modification, and I don't mean climate change. I mean, I think something really weird is going on with the weather. I mean, uh, everybody I know has remarked on this. Fill in the blanks. Things like genetically modified organisms. You know, God gave everything a... a um, like a blueprint, a pattern, and it's perfect. I mean, let's face it, this world up until now has been working pretty well, but when you start tinkering with and tampering with God's divine creation, you have no idea what can come out of that. And then you have the whole climate change thing, and I don't know where you are on that, and I don't really care. This is what I do know. 
I remember this from like third grade science. <laughs> CO2, which is some, somehow has become the great enemy of the human race, CO2 is absolutely essential to life. It's how we grow things. It's how we have life on this planet. If you got rid of all of it, all of us would immediately die because nothing could grow. Hello? You do not have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. And so what is this war on, on carbon? Wow. And then we have people tinkering with, with literally merging man and machine with you know, computerization of an actual person. And you would be shocked how far that's gone already and what the plans are for the future. Well, hey, you know, I th was thinking the other day, like there's food shortages and all of that going on. I'm thinking, well, you know, up until now, the world's done pretty well. You plant something and it grows and you eat from it, right? Well, people are messing with that like the whole fertilizer thing and not, not having fertilizer to fertilize crops and all of this, and there's starting to be famine. Does that make sense to you? It doesn't to me, but I, but I love that phrase because I think people, whether they're well-intentioned or not, and I think not, at least some of them, whether they're well-intentioned or not, there are people busily, wearing themselves out and they are the result of what they're doing is destroying the world the earth well guess what god's going to destroy them because they're messing with his creation is it fallen yes but it's not the terrible place they make it out to be and god's going to deal with them i just love that and should destroy them which destroy the earth in verse 19, we saw it. And the temple of God was open in heaven. There was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. You remember the, the ark that was in the tabernacle in the temple? Well, we see it here. And the real thing is in heaven, but the pattern of the real thing is what we see on the earth in the tabernacle in the temple. Well, we're looking at the real thing, and this represents the place where God dwells. And we, there were lightning, so there were bright flashes and voices. So these were, you know, loud, loud voices, loud noises and thunderings and an earthquake. That Greek word is seismos, like we think of seismology, earthquake studying. That's what that word is. And great hail, uh, mega hail, very large hail. Wow. So... The main thing that we should get out of what we've seen today is that Jesus wins. It's a done deal. This is signed, sealed, and delivered, like the song says. And it's all going to play out, but the, the end is already determined. Lucifer loses. Our Lord wins. <laughs> now I want to read to you Psalm 2 because I think it mirrors some of what we've just read in this last part of the book of the Revelation, Psalm 2. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed 
saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh and the Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy mount, holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. So we see here, it's just reinforced, Messiah will rule the earth completely. And of course, the universe beyond that, he will rule it all. At the end of that Psalm 2, and I stop there at verse 8, but at the end, watch what it says in verses 9 through 12. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Listen, right now as we close, some of you listening need to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. You, if you need help with that, I want you to call 888-388-2683. 888-388-2683. And someone will help you become a Christian. If you're already a Christian and you need encouragement, you can call that number as well. Hey, listen, if the Lord doesn't come back first before next Sunday and the deep state, the World Economic Forum, or Lucifer doesn't double tap me before then, then I'll be back next week with episode nine in Revelation, God Rules. Like this episode, follow the podcast and share it with someone right now, right where you're listening. Thank you for being here. We'll be back next week with Revelation, God Rules. Bye-bye.